Please take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 16. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea. And entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. I'll never forget the trip to the dentist office when I was a kid. Not just the trip, but everything about it. But it all started from the house when we left, and I knew where I was going. And my mom would pull out on Federal Road and, and, and head around where it winds around to Clinton Drive, and I was just hoping she would forget what we're doing and go through that Washburn Tunnel and go over to Pasadena Town Square or something, but that never happened. She rounded that corner onto Clinton Drive, and we passed the refineries, and then we come up to this white rock building. It looked like the white rock you would throw out on your drive in the country or something, but this, this was the walls of the building, and... We'd pull up in that parking lot, and it seemed like I was walking up a hill to get in that door. And we would go sit down to the right there, and there were toys, and there were children's books, and that never helped me a bit, just knowing that that door was going to open, and my name was going to be called, and I went into this open area, you see how scarred I am? I remember, every, this is 40 years ago I'm talking about. I remember the open area, what it looked like, the hallway that was narrow and dark, and then there were rooms off to the side. Not one room was better than another because in every room there was this seat that you laid down in, a bright light that they put in your face, and power tools they put in your mouth. I'm going to stop right there on that story and, and hopefully we'll get back to it and it will get better. We've been sharing how faithful God is and, and things can get better if we'll receive that, if we'll trust Him. You know, as a result of us learning and experiencing that God is faithful, that's what we'll do. We'll trust Him. 
I'm not saying it, I'm not trying to really tie this message into the faithfulness of God. I didn't think about it. I thought I was going on a different course, but do you just see how the Bible just all goes together? You know, and so if we see how faithful he is and we experience it by trusting him, and when we trust him, we're going to experience peace in our lives. The peace of God. You know, the spiritual definition of peace is not it's going to exist by the taking away of a problem. Peace we are going to have in our lives by the accompanying of power in our problem so that we can face it head on. In one phrase or another, Jesus tells us over and over in God's Word to not be afraid. Some 365 times we're not to be afraid. You know, an apple a day might not keep the doctor away, but maybe we ought to comprise a book. Maybe there already is one of a do not be afraid verse from the Lord and to read it every day. That just might help you and I not to be afraid. We are visiting an event this morning with Jesus and His disciples. It is a teaching event here for them and for us today as well. Jesus is the one who has set it all up too. And the scene is there in that holy land. I've had preacher friends, I've had other Christians tell me about visiting that land and going down to the sea early in the morning and just experiencing the serenity of a cup of coffee and looking out on what they learned happened on that land. So... As we consider what's going on here, we can imagine a very possible time of serenity as they got started, a peaceful moment on the shore of the sea, and then the disciples, they launch out, they leave the shore, and here they're coming out into the water, and all of a sudden the serenity turns into a storm. The clouds start to gather. The sky starts to darken. The wind picks up. The waves, the waters become very troubled. The storm splashes it up on the side of the boat. And next thing you know, inside the boat, it's starting to fill up with water on the disciples. Jesus is no longer around. He was there. He sends them out. They look and he is not in sight. Then Jesus comes walking on the water back and this storm that had made them so afraid Now it got worse. They're terrified because they can't recognize who that is walking on the water. 
They see it's Jesus. He comes in the boat with them. And then he takes them back to shore out of the storm. You've heard of the calm before the storm. And so you already have an idea of the topic and what we're going to share today. And maybe your life is calm right now. If I'm in a storm, I'm not jealous of you, I promise. Uh, The Word tells us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So praise the Lord that you are in a calm if that fits you. But it's the calm before the storm. I don't say that as a dig. I promise I'm not jealous of it if you're in a calm. But that storm is on its way. You've heard that, and we've heard it a lot over and over. And that's because it has proven to be so very true that life is full of storms. Others of you this morning can say amen. I I know a little bit about what those disciples are going through. Yes, sir, I am in a storm right now, and it is trying to rage in my life. And you're tempted to be afraid. Maybe you do have fear this morning. So not only do we have something concerning a teaching lesson that was for these disciples, but there are six truths for you and I to share as well. That we would take this event and take away from it the fear in the storms of life. First of all, He's paving the way. Jesus is paving the way. The disciples launched out in good weather, and just like that, they're ready to wither. They were shocked by the storm. They didn't know it was coming. Jesus wasn't shocked by the storm. He knew that storm was on its way. The storm never occurred to Jesus. There wasn't a different event planned here. And then the storm messed all kinds of things up for Jesus. That didn't happen. There was no mistake whatsoever. There is not an accident involved in this event. There was the foreknowledge of the Father... And there was the Son steering His disciples right into a storm. Jesus ran them into the storm. We're going to see that He doesn't immediately run the storm away, but He's running things and has everything under control in this storm. There are going to be difficulties in life that you and I will never see coming. Maybe that's relatable to the very recent past going on right now. You've been there before sometime, and we don't see them coming. You know, we set up our own storms when we're outside of the will of God. But then there's the child of God in the will of God who comes into a storm. 
It is sent by God. God's righteous servants enter into storms. Because God uses them, we see that God has a plan for them. God sets up storms in our lives. What is always set up when He sets up a storm for His children, though, is the strength to get through it. He sets up our success to face the difficulties and He carries us through our storm. He either sets storms up that come our way or He just doesn't deter storms that come along. And He says, I can use this for my child. Storms in life are not always because of sin. When a storm comes our way, if it's because of something to do with us, I'm sure that not someone else, but we are going to immediately know what it was. So let's you and I not go searching and trying to find out a reason why it was our fault that we are in a storm. We would know that immediately. So don't invest your time in thinking about your past and digging up your history at all in it because it may have nothing to do with you whatsoever just like it had nothing to do with Job except for the fact that Job was a righteous servant. And that may be the case for you. And it's going to be for your good and it's going to be for God's glory that He allowed this. Sometimes God lays storms out in the path of His people. He paves the way for them. And He's perfecting the walk is what he's doing by them. A second truth about this, he's perfecting the walk. The fourth psalm and the first verse, Psalms 4.1, says, Hear me when I call, O God, my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. That word enlarged is a positive word. It's a, it's a word of growth. And so as we relate this, Jesus led his disciples into a storm, but he fed them. He fed them by many things, one being by way of the storm, so that they could become stronger. As we go into the problems of life that we face and we look to the Lord, we are humbled before Him, we are relying upon Him for help, He is going to do amazing things in our lives. We're going to grow as a result. We are going to grow in faith as we cling to His Word in the midst of, our, of the, the temptation to worry and the troubles, and we are going to grow. Our faith is going to strengthen in the storm, and what causes storms, what causes fears in our life are the storms, and those fears are going to shrink. Right in the middle of what causes our fears... Our fears will shrink as God grows us. We will have spiritual spurts of growth 
we would never have if everything was smooth sailing in our lives. If we had smooth sailing and no storms in our lives, we wouldn't be able to stand one another. We would think that we are such high on the stool of sanctified superiority that storms are below us. We wouldn't be able to stand one another. We would be exalting ourselves when the whole time we would be stunted saints. We have had seasons of growth through the storms of life. He's perfecting our walk. He's petitioning our well-being, third truth, about what Jesus is doing in storms. He's petitioning our well-being. This event is recorded in all four Gospels. And in the Gospel of Matthew 14 and 23... It gives us the detail that Jesus went up the mountain apart to pray. Now, I look at that in his prayer and the primary meaning of that being that he went to pray about the mission that God's given him on this earth. God gave his son a duty and he, he successfully finished it. He accomplished the work and he depended on the Father the whole time. There is a work to be done in the life of the disciples and he sends them off to get it started and then he goes and he prays. Depending on the Father, for him to be able to carry out his father's will. Now, if Jesus needed to do that, what boat are we in? How much do we need to depend upon the Father? No independent strength is looked for in the children of God, but that we would look to him, that we would lean on him as his only begotten son did when he came to this earth. Now, I clearly believe that's the primary meaning of the idea of Jesus going to pray. But there's another truth about Jesus in prayer. And that is that he prayed for his disciples. You see a model prayer in the Bible. And then in John chapter 17, the Lord Jesus is praying. And He is praying for you and I. In John chapter 17 and verse 9, the prayer of Jesus, He says to the Father, I pray for them. What clarity. Do we need anything else? I pray for them. He says, I pray for them which thou has given me. God gave his son for the entire world. And God took us up when we trusted him by faith through his son Jesus. He gave us to Jesus. So Jesus is praying for the disciples here. And guess what? You can include yourself too in that. You can include intercession from the Lord Jesus Christ in your life right now. He prays for His people. We can know that Jesus prays for us. 
He paves the way into our troubles, into our storm, but He also prays for us. What a prayer list that is. You know, there was a situation going on this week with a family of the church, and then another thing suddenly happened within a family of the church, and guess what? I couldn't put my hands on both of them. Somebody told me that long ago that you can't be in two places at one time. But you take this prayer list of Jesus and He can personally, individually, perfectly answer every request at the same time. He gives requests to the Father for us and He answers them. And He is individually vested in our life for the very best care. What He handles, He handles perfectly all at the same time. In our lives. So, as we would consider his prayer being concerning his world mission that he's petitioning, we can also consider the people of God and their well being because he prays for us. He's perceiving our weakness, he's not just petitioning our well being. But in verse 20, let's look at this a few times for a few of these truths. He's perceiving our weakness. But he saith unto them. Jesus walked on the sea, drawing nigh to the ship. And he saith unto them, it is I, be not afraid. I don't know how long the disciples exactly had been on the sea in this storm. But it was long enough. It had been a little while. The account and mark of this event says that Jesus came to them in the fourth watch. It was very dark. And it was a terrible storm upon the waters that was going on. And the weakness that he perceived of his disciples is that they were full of fear. They were afraid of what they were facing in life. I've made friends with a wonderful brother in Christ lately and his job overlaps in being a mentor to people. And he found out about what we can categorize as a fear in someone's life. A particular someone that he's the mentor. And he was told about the fear that they have. And then he said, I'm going to get rid of that. I like that. I don't know if he's going to do it or not. I know he knows he's not going to do it without the Lord. So I know he said it in the right way. And... And I kind of like that. You know, you, you wonder where to draw the line. I, I think some parents through the years have thought I was trying to take their teenager and be their parent throughout the last year. You got to, where do you draw the line in this, you know? He says, I'm going to fix that. I, I like that. I don't, I'm not saying I can completely count on him to do that. 
But he said his aim, his desire, a righteous desire, a help to someone was going to be, he's going to help them to fix that, that fear that they have. Jesus perceives our weakness and he observes his saints. He observes his people as we're walking in this life. And he sees our fears. He sees our weakness. And he's saying, I'm going to fix that. You know, he's, he's very much invested personally in every one of his children's lives. And he's sanctifying us. And there's some things that he will fix. So that we will not be hindered to walk with him. He perceives these things. You know, maybe you're thinking, did he really look out at the disciples and put them in this storm that, that could have taken their life just to fix a fear in their life? Did it really need to go to that extent? Just go back to about verse 12 of an event that happened where Jesus miraculously fed the 5,000 plus, and then they had a memory, a remembering of what happened because they had a basket of fish and bread to take with them. And then they found themselves in a situation after their Lord and Savior performed a miracle, and they have fear. Jesus knows what we need. That's exactly what they needed. How quickly we forget sometimes what Jesus has done to help our lives. Jesus left them in the storm a while. Not only was it a horrific storm because of their fears, he left them there for a while. I like to go strawberry picking and blueberry picking every now and then. I'm no real country boy that grew up on a farm or anything like that, but I like to go do that. Good, wholesome family fun. And I'm not good with instructions a lot of times. You know, you, you give me a piece of furniture to put together and I know all the nuts and bolts left in my hand when I'm done and those washers, it's more than extras. They, I'm not real good with instruction, but I am at the blueberry patch and at the strawberry field, I'm, I'm honed in. Every time, it's the same speech every time, but you understand I need to be refreshed. What? Do these blueberries look like now when they're good to pick? If they're overripe and they've been looked over and not picked, what does that look like? And what about these strawberries? How do you take them off the vine? What's the best way to take these? Oh, that blueberry patch over there in the middle? That, that, you got some big ones, huh? You're going to tell me where to go get them and what they're going to look like. I'm going to listen and I'm going to go pick. I want... A perfect pick. You know, we usually want to pick our rescues by the Lord before we're ripe. But the Lord knows. He leaves us in the storm sometimes. 
He never leaves us too long. Because He's not looking to do endless damage to our lives. If there's some hurt in it, it's just enough hurt. It's just the right amount of hurt for our good. It's what we need. You may think, you're, no, you're wrong, Brother Kenneth. I am too ripe. Just call me too ripe. And send the Lord a message for me. We're not going to decay in our storm. Because the Lord has sent us into it. Or the Lord has allowed us to go into it. And He is doing a perfect work in us. And He's going to pick us when we're just right. We're not going to be too ripe. We're not going to be uh, undergrown in the storm. We're going to be ready. It's going to be long enough to fix us. Jesus is saying, I'm going to fix them. Brother Kenneth, he needs that fixing, and I know he's begging me, but a little while longer. The beginning and end of Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 18, the beginning says, and therefore will the Lord wait. The end of the verse says, blessed are all they that wait for him. Everyone thought Jesus showed up way too late to heal Lazarus. Oh, the criticism, oh, the remarks about Jesus. And then he shows up and everybody says, too late when it was picking season right then and there. There was no doubt that Lazarus was picked up by the Lord Jesus and no one else. There was a storm going on and Jesus picked up Lazarus. It was for his good. It was for the good of the spectators, the family around. And it was for God's glory that they would know that it was Jesus who healed him. He was right on time. He perceives our weakness and what we need and how long we need it. He's present in our war. Again, verse 20, but he saith unto them, it is I, be not afraid. Jesus showed himself to them. He not only made his presence known though, he made his power known. Because this storm on the sea that whipped up the water, that made them think they were going to drown, that was going to turn that boat over, that was going to fill that boat up, and they were going to be history, that, that storm on the water. Here comes Jesus and he comes walking on what? He comes walking on that water. What was about to take them out, he was showing his dominion over over nature and he walked specifically on that stormy water to them the grace of God ripened the disciples in the storm and the son of God picked them just right at the right time he's not only present in our war he's pressing out our worry Jesus is going to take some storms away in life. If we'll yield to Him and look to Him, and, and I, after we get all the questioning out of the way, and, 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 and bitterness, 
we, we, we hold that back and we, we go to Jesus and we yield to Him. He's going to take some storms away. And He's going to take all the worry away. He might not take all the storms away. He'll take some storms away, but He'll take all the worry and fear away if we'll let Him. If we will yield to Him. I mean, that's what He's doing in our lives. That's part of His sanctifying process. And you might say, well, I'm just kind of like that doubting Thomas. I'm a little different with this fear than other people. That is my weakness. He knows that's our weakness. He knows what our weakness is. And that this is what He's doing to accomplish in our lives is to take away our fear that we would not be living in a constant hindering fear in our lives. It can't be smooth sailing through this life because it's God's plan to make us worth something. He's refining us and He's bringing the storm that we need and we're going to come out stronger And we're going to come out better. And we're going to come out with an absence of fear when we are seeking Him and walk with Him through it. I I drove by that dentist office a few years ago. I went over there. I had to give my kids... Well, I didn't have to. Don't think I'm a weak parent. I gave them money to be quiet while I'd reminisce down memory lane and go through my old neighborhood. I really did. Just because I wanted to so bad. And I, don't get me wrong. You can be, we can be ugly and forceful to keep myself from acting ridiculous. I just said, be quiet. And drove down memory lane. And I went by my old house, got a picture of it in my phone. And, and the old bicycle bridge, I, I went by everything, and then I drove down Clinton Drive. And I'm going down Clinton Drive, and I have no problem looking on the right as I get up into town. And that white rock building was still there. The dentist practice wasn't inside anymore. It's gone, and I was sitting here thinking, I exist and I stand here today. And that storm is gone. It didn't make it. Some victory. You know, and you know what? That building looked a lot smaller than it did when I was a kid. And the parking lot, the incline wasn't near what I thought it was, like some kind of Hildegogotha I was climbing to go inside there. It, it, it Nothing like it at all. Most importantly... I wasn't frightened as I passed by. So wheeling around that corner and going down that road, I, did, I, I remember what that fear felt like, and it was gone. It was gone. Oh, it was gone. The God gives us victory. Oh, what sweet victory we can have over our fears. We're commanded to have over our fears. We're commanded to have 365 times for fear not to be hindering our walk with the Lord. What victory He gives to us so that we can stand in the storm. But I tell you this morning that that there's a storm 
that some people, there is no way you are ever going to get through it on your own. There is a storm of sin, and it's going to keep anyone out of heaven who doesn't come to the master of the sea, Jesus Christ, to forgive you for all your sins. You Look, don't look back at storms that maybe you self-caused. Don't flatter yourself and say, God would never save anyone like me. Look, He conquered all of our sin so that He could take your penalty away. He loves you, and, and there's storms of life that you're in without Him. And newsflash, there's storms of life you're going to be in with Him. Okay? But He's going to take you through them. And most importantly, your sins are going to be forgiven. You will go through storms, but you will say, I'm going home one day. He has allowed this and He's taking me home. And that's your sanctification for later. But right now, many people jump or try to jump to sanctification and walk hoops through religion. But would you know Jesus Christ in a personal relationship this morning? He went through a storm on that cross for you. And we pray that you would trust Him and know Him as your Lord and Savior and that all God's people would be encouraged in what Jesus is doing in our lives through our difficulties. He's doing something good and it's going to be for His glory. If everyone could please stand, we're going to bow to the Lord in a word of prayer. And this is going to be your time of invitation as we sing. And I can't save you. I can't do that for you, but I can help you with God's word that you may know everlasting life in Jesus Christ. It is for everyone, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Would you trust him this morning as Lord and Savior of your life? Let us pray. Lord God, we bow again in your house, Lord. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it does to help the family of God, how we've been strengthened and how you use it to draw those and to reveal to hearts by your loving conviction and your desire to have them as your children, you let them know clearly that they're not your child and that they can come to you freely by grace to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray that there would be a life that would desire to be put into your church today to serve you all the days of their life to trust you in the storm that we could be a fearless people of yours and live for your glory for it's in Jesus name we pray amen